Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Hey, good morning, Beaver Nation. Happy Wednesday. Hope uh, everyone's morning's going well so far. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening to the Edge podcast this morning, just thank you so much for letting us be a part of your day. Channeling my inner Callan Cowherd uh, this morning. Brendan, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Mike. It's uh, it's a good day. Oregon State football is uh, now in bend. Looking forward to a great week of scrimmage and uh, Ohio State's just uh, 10 days away. I can't believe it's nearly football season. It's getting real exciting real quick. Wow, it really is 10 days away. Jeez. <laughs> Where does yep. the time go? I, lots of fall camp practices and lots of damn good coverage from Beaver's Edge. That's where the time's gone in August. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on uh, Tuesday, kind of near the end of Jonathan Smith's interview with the media, he's asked point blank um about when he wants to name a starter and Jonathan Smith said that he doesn't plan to announce uh who that starter will be during this Ben trip and so we're, now we're looking into game week um of who the starter will be Brendan do you think there's a chance that Smith will actually not name a starting quarterback and we'll just see who the guy is when the first team trots out against Ohio State, or do you think he's going to um, announce it to the media, or do you think they might put out like a, a social media post? I've seen some schools actually will do that, announce starting quarterback that way. Um, so what do you kind of think, uh, you know, now that you have really seen this coaching staff, um, do you think, w- which avenue do you think they might go? Well, Oh, you know, it's interesting to say I still think that, um, you know, I I think it's in their best interest just to keep it quiet at this point because you've waited this long. Why not wait a little longer? I don't see the the benefit in Jonathan Smith uh, announcing like a starting quarterback, for instance, say on Monday of his press conferences. At this point for me, it's either Thursday. I'm talking, you know, right after practice, you know, the day before they leave or the day of that they leave for Ohio State state depending on their travel schedule his last availabilities possibly when i see or it could be that series um as we know there's a lot of off the field drama going on at ohio state and i don't think oregon state and jonathan smith um see any advantage in that game by giving ohio state even what seem may what may seem like a small leg up in in any regard i don't think that they're wanting to tip their cap and uh, I think it's still very much in question. I don't think a guy separated himself yet. I don't think, um, I mean, with all due respect to Oregon State's three quarterbacks vying for the starting job, I don't think Ohio State should be scared of any of them. And I don't think their skill sets are that much different. You know, um, some might be a little bit better throws than others. Some might be a little bit more athletic. But for the most part, um, you know, I see. That's what I think. I disagree a little bit. I think each one of those guys brings something completely uniquely different to the table. The problem is uniquely, the, but for Ohio State oh, to yes. worry, or yeah. you know, I think that they're all decently athletic, decently good throwers. Not, but you you see them a lot more than I do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you know each of those guys has something really good that they have, and I've said this all fall camp. The problem is each one of those guys has a weakness that's, you know, kind of glaring. And, and I've talked about 
about it, you know, when we uh, ran our, you know, case for making Oregon State starting quarterback, you know, last week. And it's just, you know, there hasn't been a guy where you're like, okay, we feel really, really confident uh, so far. And I'm not so much certain that that's necessarily players not being able to meet those expectations as it is. This is a new coaching staff, still a new system. And hopefully those those questions will be answered and we'll see a guy rise up. But, you know, I'm going to trust Jonathan Smith and this coaching staff because unlike perhaps the previous coaching staff, this staff has a good track record of at least getting serviceable production from their starters. And even serviceable production from their starters would be a huge step in the right direction compared to what we've seen from the quarterback position the last three years, Mike. Yeah, you did touch on one thing a couple of minutes ago that I want to talk about before we move on. You said um, that you don't think that – or you said something to the effect of why name starting quarterback now doesn't really benefit you too much. Might as well wait a little bit longer. Um, I think that it would really help the locker room if they know who their guy is. You know, the quarterback's such an important position. Yep. I think it. I, I, there's probably some parts of the locker room that want Connor and the other parts that want Jake. And heck, maybe some people want Jack to start. Um, so I do think that that is something that, you know, could help the team if they know who their starting quarterback is. Yeah, no, I think that's a tremendous point, Mike. And, and you know, you've seen it where if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Or in this case, if you have three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, you know, maybe Smith has just got the poker face on. And maybe his staff has got the poker face on. And they've already decided on a guy. And they're just keeping it quiet for the team's interest. I don't know. But Jonathan Smith, they're, they're not getting – I mean, you're seeing the same videos that I'm taking, Mike – you're not seeing much even like the emotion of a face when Jonathan Smith is talking about quarterback play. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, really looking at the Ohio State game, um, I, I think Jake will be the guy, but I don't think that that means he's the definite starting quarterback. I think, heck, maybe they'll um, have a two-QB system. Maybe, um, you know, Jake will play the whole game against Ohio State, but um, – yeah, in I the think, next game they'll switch it up. You know, I I think that it's not set in stone. Well, yeah, and then especially when you consider that how how impactful the backup position could be, given that you know if Luton's the guy you're going to go with, you know maybe you know maybe then if you're struggling early on, you look for some additional reps for guys. And Jack Coletto is a guy who could play in up to four games this year and still redshirt. So I think there's a lot of different moving pieces. I know the staff is really high on both on uh coletto and they've uh, seen flashes out of connor blount too so you know that that red shirt rule for you know coletto and then you know we don't know how effective luton and blount will be i don't think anything set in stone. and i really think there's even a chance mike that if one guy struggles early on we could maybe see one two or all three of these quarterbacks at some point this season yeah no i i definitely think we will um I thought you were going to say in the Ohio State game. I was like, oh, man, I don't know if they'll play all three in the Ohio State game. But I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, definitely to see the first three play by the end of the second game. But uh, l- let's go ahead and move on to uh, Bend because on Tuesday nights, um, the Beavs um, made the trip to Bend. It was a rather short practice and rather light practice on Tuesday. Uh, and then the team made the trip over. Um, and years past, the teams basically made a full week out of it where there was four or five practices. This year, um, the Beavs, um, they'll practice Wednesday, and that practice is close to the media. And then they have the scrimmage on Thursday that's open to the fans and media at Summit High School at noon. 
and then they're heading back on Friday? Or do you know if they're practicing on Friday and then heading back, or are they just heading back in the morning? Uh, that schedule hasn't quite been made clear, and I don't think it will be. As far as we know, uh, the Beavers will head back uh, Friday and then do game stuff, as Jonathan Smith indicated uh, to us a little bit today. And, uh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be a really good uh, trip for Oregon State in many aspects. You know, not like the last two years where they went for a week. You know, that was something that the former staff uh, started. I, and Jonathan Smith really made mention today that this was going to be a, a trial run for um, he and his staff to implement their values and their, um, you know, technique and scheduling for how they travel on road games. So Jonathan said this was going to be, you know, an experience for all these young guys that haven't traveled the way he and his staff want to travel, how they do business. So that'll get learned uh, this week and, you know, player accountability when you're on the road and so on and so forth. So I think it'll benefit them a lot to get out of Corvallis. You know, you look at some guys – uh, on this team, like Josiah Irish, uh, Jamar Jefferson, you know, some of these guys that are true freshmen that have only been, you know, an Oregon State for like, you know, uh, a couple weeks. Now they get to go to a completely uh, new part of the state, practice in different conditions and, you know, bond with their teammates. It's really big for those true freshmen that are still, you know, experiencing college. You know, you look back two years ago and the impact that Bend had on Artavis Pierce as he was one of the first players to get his stripe removed from his helmet and he turned out to be a huge playmaker that year so it really can you know spring some guys in the right direction looking forward to seeing uh, which guys have a good bend yeah absolutely um there, there one question i kind of want to bring up is do you think portland would have been um a better kind of road trip because i, I honestly thought that they weren't going to do bend this year i thought they would want to separate as much as they could from last year's staff just do things differently so um, and then during the spring, you saw that scrimmage um, in Portland. Um, so I honestly thought that they were going to do a little Portland trip. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think one is uh, benefits the other? Do you think it's really good for the team to get away um, to bend because there are really no distractions and it's just about team bonding? Or do you like Portland because that scrimmage um, will would have more people show up and probably have more... Um, hype in Portland rather than Bend? I think it's two-sided. Um, I think that you can make a case for both sides. I personally, um, I like going to Bend because I think it's more of a unique Oregon State fan base uh, over in Bend. I think Portland's kind of a little dominated by, you know, a lot of Oregon Duck fans. Not to say that Oregon State um, doesn't have fans in Portland or Oregon doesn't have fans in Bend, but I think it's kind of unique that that's something Oregon State's done. And right now, now, uh, in hindsight, 2020, it makes a lot of sense to go to Bend because the air quality in Bend, Mike, is much better than it is in Portland, where in Portland and Corvallis right now, you have, you know, federal warnings that say not to have, you know, any kind of high intensity exercise outside, sure. which makes which makes things, you know, pretty, pretty confused or, you know, pretty hard to navigate a little bit. And we talked about that in our uh, nuggets yesterday from BeaversEdge.com, day 16 of practice. But I think more than anything... Um, just being able to connect with the fans. It's quick. It's not a week. It's only two days. I think Summit High School can host Oregon State a little bit better knowing that they have, you know, the Oregon State um, uh, Eastern Oregon campus at their disposal to um, use as dorms and they can stay over there and there's Oregon State outreach and extension. Uh, I think it just makes more sense for them to do fall camp stuff and bend, especially given um, the altitude advantage for uh, conditioning. 
Sure. Yeah. Good stuff, Brennan. Yeah. Made, you you uh, changed my mind there. I'm, I'm on the Ben team. Then. <laughs> uh, so like you said, was um, Tuesday wrapped up? Uh, was a day 16 fall camp uh, for every practice that's been available to the media. You've been there, Brendan. So yeah. let, let's just talk about the last uh, week of practices that you've been able to, to see. Kind of give me a stock up, stock down. Uh, let's run through that real quick. Like who's been hot, uh, who's who's not uh, been hot, um, you know, who you liking out there and uh, who's taking a step back. Um, I guess uh, some, some guys that I've been really impressed with this week have been, uh, I really like the offensive line play. I got I to gotta single out Blake Brandell a lot. He looks like he's really started to find his rhythm out there. He's one of the more experienced and veteran guys in that team. Uh, just leadership, good technique, good footwork I've seen from him. Uh, flipping over to the defense, I've been really, really, really impressed with um, both Shamar Smith and Jonathan Willis. You know, they've kind of quietly locked down those two inside linebacker positions, and a lot of the headlines have obviously gone to Andre Hughes-Murray, Key Wetzel, and Hamilcar Rochette on the edges for their athleticism getting after the quarterback. But Shamar Smith and Jonathan Willis are a very solid tandem up front. I like them a lot. Uh, another guy that's been hot we talked about yesterday was uh, Dwayne Williams, uh, one of the you know more seasoned and veteran guys in this secondary, been banged up the last couple of years. He looks like he's finally getting healthy. We talked about him yesterday. Uh, I really like where he's at right now. He seems to be finding his groove on the field. Uh, in terms of guys who just who's who's not stock in general, the quarterback position, um, I'm not really sure how to say this you know, super well, but given that you're three and a half weeks into fall camp and the quarterback derby is still going on, isn't probably a great sign for the group as a whole. So I'd say the quarterbacks, the fact that no one had been able to step up and seize the job by now, is kind of disappointing uh, to see. And um, moving along the, uh, I guess anyone else for, um, for who's not, it would just I would say the defensive line in general still has some areas to grow. Uh, they're still learning. You know, there's a lot of young guys on that defensive line. They're having to play a lot of young guys in practice with, uh, you know, being so thin up front. And I think that it's going to be a struggle this season. And I think we're going to see it's going to struggle to, you know, get pressure from just the defensive line. But there are some guys that are starting to emerge on that line as young guys. But for now, defensive line still got some work to do with how how uh, in sync the offensive line's been. Brandon, there are some players on Oregon State that are just fans have more interest in than others, so I want to just run yes. through some guys and um, that fans just over the years have always wanted to talk about. Um, Mason Moran, um, still that receiver. I mean, is he getting reps with the twos and threes? Uh, I don't think he's someone you've really mentioned in your practice report, so jog your memory a little bit with him. Yeah, no, Mason Moran, um, you know, we've had a pretty a pretty uh, um, uh, clear-ish policy that we've been told on injuries. He suffered some sort of an arm injury against, uh, in the most recent scrimmage, he's had his arm in a sling the last couple practices, but hasn't really, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent at receiver. Um, he didn't really figure into the mix before even, um, you know, guys, a guy that in the receiving core that's maybe taken some of his reps would be like a Connor Laverty kind of a guy, Josiah Irish. You know, there's just been some more younger guys that have, you know, been hungrier for the spot. And, you know, Mason's kind of one of those guys right now that's kind of positionless a little bit. You know, he couldn't fit in at quarterback, couldn't find a home at safety, and now is at receiver. But they got a lot of young, blossoming talent at receiver, too. So 
tough spot for Mason to be in right now. Champ Flemings is a guy that people are pretty excited about all the time. Kerry Eggers even had a, a piece on him, which Beaver fans loved. Um, what are you seeing from Champ? Is he running with the ones at all? Yeah, he's been running a little bit with the ones, depending on the uh, the package and the formation. Uh, mostly a specialist guy, not used a lot at receiver. Uh, more as kind of like a flex, a little bit of a running back, speed sweep guy. Uh, maybe some slant routes over the middle, but they're like I said, they got – They've got so many guys at receiver that they think can play. I think their goal on offense or in kick return game, which we've seen Champ Flemings a lot too, is just getting him with the ball in space where he can use his speed. I'm just going off the script rapid fire with you now. Give me the running back pecking order. Where does Christian Wallace fit in? Three, four, or below. Uh, I've got Artavis Pierce, Jamar Jefferson, uh, and then either Case Rogers, B.J. Baylor, and then uh, Christian Wallace. Uh, this is not to say that uh, this kid doesn't have the potential. Um, it's like I, I've told media members at Oregon State on the daily, if Christian Wallace could you know, kind of put it all together, he's got the body and the physique of a you know, um, all-pack 12 kind of running back. Uh, just with his size, his strength, but uh, he doesn't look for contact. He's still learning the running back position. Um, if he's dedicated to it and he works with Coach Michael Petrie over the next year and he's dedicated to being Oregon State, I think he could be a serviceable, play- serviceable player as he continues to grow, but right now um, he's still just not there yet. Right, let's move to the defensive line. Beavers had a big-time four-star junior college recruit a couple years ago, uh, Craig Evans. What have you seen from Craig this this fall camp? Are you flashing back to last season, Mike? I'm sorry. Craig Evans. Okay. I I don't know if I told you this, Brandon. I actually talked to uh, Craig um, a couple weeks ago. Um, He's at an NAIA school in Oklahoma. He's on full scholarship. Wow. He's he's ready to go and and, uh, really make a big impact there. He's – sorry, go ahead. No, he was a really nice, you know, really nice individual. I remember when I had a chance to talk to him this last this last year, and you know, you can't help but uh, think, you know, even just you know, as a plug and play guy, that guy could have had a huge impact on maybe you know the Anderson tenure, twenty eighteen, all of it. You know, yeah. given that Oregon State really needed just that one extra guy up front to really make them a better defense, but as we saw, the wheels kind of fell off. So you never know. But he was certainly a really nice young kid, and I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, no, he seems to be doing pretty well, and uh, he's eligible and is at his NAIA and um, school in Oklahoma, so he should be good, and I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him, see how he's performing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I laughed a little yeah. pretty hard on that one. All right, um, <laughs> just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, how about... Um, Actually, you wrote a little bit about David Morris Tuesday in your practice nuggets. Uh, he's a fan favorite. Um, you know, how, how's how's David looking out there? Yeah, we've seen, you know, I saw David from, you know, about 55 yards away uh, the last two days as he was, you know, on a, um, on a, st- on, you know, on a scooter as he went around practice with that left, with that left foot, obviously uh, bent over and elevated. And I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think it's good that he's back. Um, I think he's definitely uh, a closer to a return than like a Calvin Tyler, who is still. Um, we I saw him today, who was you know on crutches and still not putting very much weight on his 
you know, uh, right leg um, at all. And I think, I think David Morris, I don't, it wasn't, it wasn't surgery. And I think that, you know, like Jonathan Smith said, um, he'll be on the field sooner than later. We're still waiting to see. Um, I think best case scenario is probably like, you know, look in the mid to end of September and then worst case scenario, as Smith said, is that maybe it lingers and maybe they have to consider other options. But uh, when we talked to him, I think uh, he was pleased with where he was. Um, I forgot to ask him on Tuesday uh, where he was in his you know, recovery, but I'm sure when there's something to, something to say, Smith will update us on David Morris. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Ohio State game. Um, heavy chances are that Oregon State's probably going to lose by 20-plus points. Um, what would be a score against Ohio State that you'd be happy with uh, if you're an Oregon State fan? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, what, what would be a score you'd be happy with, Mike? <laughs> I'm reading your script. This is what you wanted me to ask you. <laughs> um, well, I would be happy with uh, how about 35-34 loss, but uh, I see what the question really is. I would say about, um, well, first thing is, Everyone be healthy, and of course, all off season, uh, members of BeaversEdge.com have been talking about this game, and they just really want uh, the bees to get out of there healthy. Um, but for an actual score, I'd say um, I, I think like forty two seventeen is would be decent. I don't know if Oregon State will be able to score seventeen on the road. Uh, maybe it's something where it's like you know thirty five to. 10 at you know entering the fourth quarter yep. or something and then you know there's a late touchdown by both sides um so I, I think that wouldn't be too bad yeah i think somewhere i think you hit it right on the nail mike uh in terms of a score i think you know you don't want to go back and get beat like 45 to 7 52 to 7 uh three i mean you, you you need to at least establish you can score a couple times i think 14 to 17 would be a very good benchmark to try to know that you know, we did really good if you can score 14, 17 points. Um, you know, you, you, we don't know what we're going to see from Ohio State. You know, there's, you know, are we going to see an entire, you know, new, um, you know, most of it will probably be the same as it is on tape, but there could potentially be a new play caller, a new head coach. Uh, a lot of things still spiraling there, so I don't think we're really going to know what we see from Ohio State uh, just yet. But uh, I, I would say, you know, somewhere in that range, and biggest thing is keeping those, keeping the guys healthy. Um, Ohio State's got presumably the number one overall pick on the left side defensive end and Nick Bosa. And, um, you know, given given that OSU has three quarterbacks, one of them who had an injury last year and two that are very young, Oregon State's offensive line and running backs are really going to have to chip to make sure they can keep their quarterback upright in that game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing, uh, Bernie, you want to go over was, uh, you know, talking about the defensive backs a little bit. Uh, Already they're banged up with injuries, and we've seen that over the past few years, but still showing some promise. He wrote a lot of good things about Jaden Grant, um, you know, uh, the uh, cornerback, uh, I believe still a walk-on player. Um, so, you know, tell, tell me about the defensive backs. What are you seeing from those guys? Yeah, no, uh, the from the defensive backs, it's been nice to see, you know, some guys get a little bit more healthy and, um, you know, kind of back into the fray back there. Obviously, you know, uh, Jay Irvine went down with an injury not too long ago. We still are, they still don't have Omar Hicks Onu back on the field. Um, uh, Isaiah Dunn's been in and out of the rotation. Jaden Grant's been in and out of the rotation. David Morris been in and out of the rotation. Um, and Dwayne Williams as well. 
I think once this team can find and to Sean Wilson as well, excuse me, um, once they can get you know healthy and and given that the it seems like none of these injuries, with the exception of Morris, which will linger beyond the season, should limit this team from being where they want to be. Come uh, Ohio State, even a guy like Omar Hicks Onu, who hasn't practiced and fall camp, you know, we keep hearing he's going to be back on the field very soon. I'd like to see him if he's back in this game week. And then, um, you know, a guy like Jaden Grant, you know, really high the last, uh, last, not this spring, but uh, Anderson's last spring had an injury last year, uh, couldn't get on the field. He could be a guy that could spell some guys for a while. Um, you know, um, Dwayne Williams had a really, really, I know I've harped on him a lot, but he had a really good last two days I've uh, been impressed in seeing that senior leadership from him, Jalen Moore as well. Um, given right now where the secondary is, they're a little bruised. Uh, getting Jay Irvine back hopefully soon will be really key. I think if they can get Irvine on the field against Ohio State, that's a huge difference on the edges. But um, as long as they can you know, make sure these nagging injuries don't turn into you know, weeks at a time or um, you know, potentially season-enders, that's going to be the biggest thing because – Mike, as you know, this team's been ravaged in the secondary the last three seasons. Last thing, Brendan, I'm going to throw a curveball at you um, as we wrap up the Edge podcast today. Top five personalities on the team. Um, Key Wetzel's obviously in there. Um, he went and represented uh, the Beavs in L.A. for Media Day. Um, really show off that personality. Give, give me your top four right now. I'm basically just stalling so you can think of four other guys, but go ahead. Top four, and say that one more time, one more time. So give me your top five biggest personalities on the team. Key Wetzel's okay. obviously one. Who okay. are the other four? Oh, man, personalities. Um, up there, I'm going to have – ha- are we going in order, or can I just go in no order for these yeah, four? no order, just to spit okay. them out. Okay, no order. Uh, I got to say that um, punter Daniel Rodriguez, uh, definitely up there with biggest personality on the team. That's nice. Uh, Trayvon Bradford, definitely up there with a big personality. Um, let's see. Uh, secondary. Sean Wilson, got a pretty big personality. I like talking to him a lot. Um, up front, we saw Blake Brandell at Media Days. I got to yep. go with Blake. Blake up front, he's a really cool guy, really nice to talk to. Oregonian native, just loves being at Oregon State. That's a cool story. Um, and then... I'm think, I think you got to go with thing number two. It's close. It's close <laughs> between Hamilcar Rashad and Andre Hughes-Murray. I like them both. They're both kind of on there with that we'll, outside. We'll throw them both in there. We'll throw them both in. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my guys for sure. Yeah. Uh, was it on, on uh, social media or was it on Twitter? Uh, Key Wetzel and Hamilcar Rashad said that they were thing one and thing two. I thought that was pretty funny, those two. And thing uh, one, thing two, he's the funny one. Or Key's the funny one, Hamilcar's the serious one, and they meet at the quarterback. It works for me. <laughs> oh, it'll work for Oregon State fans uh, as they, um, man, need some sacks. Need some, yes. need some pressure. Big time. Big um, time this Last year, right what, what was it, Gary's goal of? Um, 60. 60. 60. Combined sacks and turnovers. Yeah. Obviously, that was far from as Oregon State ranked. Dead last in sacks and turnovers last three years, so we'll see what uh, Tim Tibisar can do about that because uh, they got nowhere to go but up, Mike. 
Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and end the podcast on a really great note of how bad the Beavers' pass trust has been the past few seasons. But Hey, they got nowhere to go but up. I like Nowhere that. to go but up. But, yep, that'll wrap it up for uh, Mike Singer and Brendan Slaughter of the Edge Podcast. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day.